If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the, cha- the book of James. The book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 1 and James chapter 3. Um, and I, I don't know. We might camp out in James for a few weeks here. Uh, I have an anniversary on Thursday, August 6th. 15 years I've been married this Thursday. That's, thank you. Go ahead, a little louder. A little, no, I'm just kidding. I like, I like that. Uh, yeah, good, good job, kids. Um, all right. August 6th, 15 years. I used to, I remember when I thought, when I would hear like somebody was married for 15 years, like, man, that's a long time. Like, wow, 15 years you've been married? And here, here we are. Here we are, 15 years later, four kids later, uh, three dogs have gone through our home, uh, more fish than we can count, uh, have, have lived and died in our house. But um, we've been having a good time. So happy anniversary, sweetheart, woman of God, lover of my soul. No, lover of me, not my uh, I think Jesus loves my soul. But all right. Hey, thank you for joining us online. That might have just gotten us kicked off of YouTube. I'm not sure. I don't think it was too... There's more graphic stuff on YouTube than that, I think. So, yeah. So, we'll see, though. I really do have a lot to say today and a very short time to say it. Uh, I want to open up in James 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious... Now, that I'm going to stop right there. That word religious translating Greek, I know, nobody cares about Greek, but this is important. We hear... I mean... There are some Greeks here. We care about Greeks. I just, I just got corrected. We care about Greeks, people. We, you know, just maybe not the language is the most important thing to focus on right now. Um, so if anyone thinks he is religious, that word religious means serving God. So, it, so let's just reframe that first of all. If anyone thinks he is serving God, kind of put it in context, right? We look at religious as kind of a negative thing, but in, the, in this word, particular word in the Greek is like serving God. If anyone thinks he is serving God and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion or service to God, this person's service to God is worthless, James 1.26. This morning I want to talk about, um, actually the whole, the, the title of the message is hold your tongue, hold your tongue. Now you shouldn't do that because of COVID and fingers, but Hold your tongue. Don't put your fingers in your mouth. I'm not telling anybody to do that. How many of you know this is a season and this is a moment in history to stop talking, right? Like, I, I can't even, um, like, if you're on social media, you've seen it and you felt it, right? You've seen it and you've felt it. There is a lot of, there's a lot of talking right now. I'm going to get into context of what that means. But as believers, we are called to hold our tongue. We are called to be careful with what we say. In fact, if anyone thinks he is serving God but does not bridle his tongue, that idea of bridle, it, it, talk, it develops it in James chapter 3 a little bit more, which we'll read. But the idea of bridle is like a horse bridle. That's what it's talking about. Uh, you know, they put the bit in the horse's mouth, and they can make that horse go wherever they want, the rider can, based on moving that bit. Because where the, it's uncomfortable for the horse, and it gets up in their gums, and it pushes their lips back. But if you can control their head, you can control where that horse goes. It's called a bridle. As Christ followers, there are certain issues that are absolutely key for me to be a real and authentic Christian, and controlling my tongue is one of them. Bridling my tongue is one of these key issues, according to James. In fact, if you think you are serving God, but you don't have this under control, you're lying to yourself. That's literally what James is saying. You're lying to yourself if you think you're serving God, but you have no control on what you say. If you just let anything willy-nilly come out of your mouth. Anybody ever meet somebody who had no control over the words that were coming out of their mouth? 
You know what I'm saying? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my favorite movie ever? If you know the reference, you know. But if you don't, you don't. You understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, we have to be people who are controlling the words that we're speaking. My relationship with Jesus can be voided out if I don't engage in certain aspects of growth in Jesus. There are realities of our growth in Jesus that we just can't overlook, and taming our tongue, bridling our tongue is one of them. Look at James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 2. I think it's, we're going to go all the way through verse 7. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and also able to bridle his whole body. So the body follows the tongue is what's being said here. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. So now we have two examples of what the tongue is like. The tongue is like a bridle in a horse's mouth. We need to bridle our tongue. We need to keep it under control. And the tongue is like a rudder that steers an entire ship. You are going, you are going in the direction of what's coming out of your mouth. That's where you're headed. You're headed in the direction of what's coming out of your mouth. I think, think, think saying things like, uh, for instance, you know, oh my gosh, I, I laughed so, so hard I almost died. Why would we say that? You know, don't, let's not talk about death. Let's not talk about what the worst could be. Anybody meet somebody who always wants to talk about the worst case scenario? Uh, anybody watch doomsday stories or scenarios on YouTube or, you know, the apocalypse movies and stuff like that? If you let your tongue go there, much of your life will begin to follow. Look at the ships. Though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest, here's the third example, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. <laughs> I mean, isn't it funny that we don't have to control, we don't have to worry about saying negative things. We have to actually control ourselves to say positive things. It's easy to let the worst things come out of your mouth, right? You could, you, I mean, it is easy, it is easier to cuss than to not cuss, correct? Anybody do a lot of mind cussing? I mean, if you're in a Christian home, you probably cuss a lot in your mind. I've been convicted of some mind cussing, <laughs> for real. Like, I don't necessarily, I have a pretty decent mouth, but I Sometimes my mind says words that it should not say, especially when things happen. I was working on something at the house, and I was getting a pretty long way through it, and it was some kind of some detailed work, which I'm not the best at, and it was clean. It was supposed to stay, and then the, the wood broke as I, I pushed too hard with the drill bit, and it was dull, and this piece of wood that I was working on, it snapped. And I'll tell you what, what did not come out was great things, right? It, it, well, actually, great things came out, fine things came out, like gosh and darn and shucks and oh my and, man, fiddlesticks. Like, those kinds of things came out. That's what came out of my mouth. But what was happening in my head were not those words. They were very different words happening in my head, but my kids were there. So I didn't let them come out of my mouth. Now, you could say, hey, that's a start. Like, that's good. We're headed somewhere. We're at least going, we're trending in the right direction. But the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. We have to put a bit in our mouth because it's hard to speak the right things, whether it be 
you know, cuss words. I mean, as simple as that may sound, whether it be cussing or just negative, but whether all the way down to speaking ill against people around us, speaking ill against our future. There's a whole lot of unrighteousness that wants to get through our mouths. The tongue is set among a member, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, I want you to look at this comparison, every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Well, wow, thank you, James. Thank you, Book of James. For Thank you, Disciple James, for leaving with us with that shred of confidence, right? And just so you know, if you're trying to tame the tongue, no human being can tame the tongue. We've, we've can tame sea creatures. We can make seals bark on command and do tricks for us at SeaWorld. We can have all sorts. We can have lions jump through rings of fire and, and purr like kittens, and we can caress them. We can train all kinds of wild creatures, is what James is saying. But no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame it. And it's almost like, so are we to be left hopeless? Here's the thing. Only God can tame your tongue, but you're called to bridle your tongue. We're not called to tame our tongue. We're called to bridle our tongue. Well, what's the difference? I don't know about you, but if you, you know, if you've spent a lot of time around horses, like I have not, um, but if you've spent a lot of time reading about horses for this sermon this week, um, like I have, then you would know, of course, that if you take a wild Mustang from Nevada and you get them out of the woods or desert, and you try and tame that wild Mustang, and if you put a bridle in their mouth on day one of taming that Mustang, how many of you know he's got the bridle in his mouth, but he ain't tame? Go ahead and say that. He ain't tame. Man, he's got the bridle. It's there. But how many of you know now we engage in training, and it takes months for this horse to go from bridle to tame. It's the same process with the Holy Spirit. We've got to submit to the bridle. We've got to submit to taking responsibility for what comes out of our mouth and realizing how drastically it can shape our whole lives. Your tongue can shape your attitude. Your tongue can shape your perspective. Your tongue can shape your emotions. It can shape your family life. How many of you realize in quarantine that you got some folks in your family that need to work on their tongue? You know, maybe they're your kids and maybe they're four to, you know, six to 12. And there's four of them, and they need to work on the way they talk to each other. Front row, left. Come on. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe you know some people, and maybe you've gotten to know some people where you thought we were doing okay, but then you lived in quarantine for a little while, and you realized the things that are coming out of this person's mouth. Why are you saying, anybody ever get in an argument, and then you had to go back around, and you said, hey, you know, I'm really sorry for the things that I said. I didn't mean it. Well, then why did you say it? Well, we're going to get to that. First point of the message, all right? How do we bridle our tongues? And the fact is, the world needs us to bridle our tongues. First point, one word, ready? Stop. Just turn to your name and say stop. Stop talking. You know, you could go get graphing and say shut up. Um, I know, don't. It's say it if you're a kid. You can't say that until you're 16. You could... We have thresholds of age where they get to start saying different words. <laughs> Stop talking. The age of, th th here's the thing, th this is an age, I think because of social media, and they've done studies on this, what social media has trained into us is that we all have an opinion, and our opinion matters. 
a lot. And it is very important that we share our opinion on everything. <laughs> not some things, not the things we've researched, not the things we know a lot about, everything. And here's, here's another one, always. Never ending flow. I mean, if you're on social media, you realize that we live in an age where we have been conditioned to believe that what we contribute, and it has a lot to do with the individualization of our culture. We're highly individualistic. We're highly narcissistic. We believe that what we have and contribute and who we are matters most, more than everyone else. We're highly find your own path, follow your heart, live as you want, do what you want, no societal rules, no societal boundaries. You just do you, boo, and you enjoy as long as you're happy. Say whatever you want. And I see families blowing up because of social media posts. Relationships blowing up. Friendships, blowing up. Why? Because of this issue. Everyone is talking, 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 talking. There's a, there's a musical, The Music Man, and I like musicals. I'm not afraid to admit it. I am ashamed to admit it, but I'm not afraid to admit it. I did musical theater in high school. Again, not afraid to admit it, but very ashamed to admit it. I played Everett, Grandpa Everett in Crazy For You, and uh, Babes in Arms was a big fan too, and all sorts of different musicals from the 50s, and so that might explain a little bit about you and in my world. But there's this, there's this one called The Music Man, and the ladies get together, and they have a song that they sing, um, and it goes, you know, tuck a little, pick a little, pick a little, tuck a little, tick, 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 pick a lot, pick a little more, pick a little, tuck a little, pick a little, tuck, and they, that's what they do. They get in a circle, and they sing the song, and it's representative of the fact that they're just a bunch of gossips. And they just talk about everybody's drama around the whole town. Well, take those ladies and now attribute that to every person in your social media world. And everybody is pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, pick, 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 pick a lot, pick a little more. Everybody's got an opinion. Fights, all sorts of stuff. This is the age of everyone's got an opinion and everyone should share their opinion. Listen, I come from a perspective of there are stupid questions. I know that is not popular. But I, I have that perspective that you can ask questions that hey, or you can say things and not everything you say should be held with the same quality of what everybody else is saying. Look at these verses. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Isn't that interesting that anger is associated with quickness of speech? That when we talk, we get angry. They're hand in hand. Everybody had been in a conversation where it's just like nobody's listening to each other and it just keeps getting ramped up and ramped up and ramped up, escalating, escalating, escalating. I can't even tell you how many f social media posts I have read where it's like you're yelling at them. I mean, you're not yelling, but you're using your fingers to get upset with somebody. And I can tell you, you do not understand. You, don't, you either don't understand grammar because you missed some commas and some periods that really change the structure of a sentence. But you're not, you're not seeing this right. You don't, you don't actually, you didn't read what they said. Okay, has anybody had that moment? Please nod with me. If you didn't read, you didn't read what it said. Like, you're, you're totally misunderstanding 
what was said. And it's not just misunderstanding the heart. You're actually reading the sentence structure wrong. Why is that? Because we're listening in order to respond, not in order to listen, not in order to hear. We're listening, and as we're reading or as we're listening in a conversation, we're formulating our response so that it can be good. And if we already know we kind of don't, don't agree with the person, we already have a bias of what we want to say back. And so we're listening, we're trying to find a way to say something, well, I'm going to get them. And you can see this play out in the social media world. You can see it play out in the news media world. Angry comes quickly because we're talking too quickly. We're not listening. We're not slowing down. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat of its fruit. Man, if this is true, if life and death are in your tongue, Proverbs 18.21, if that's a true statement from the Word of God, which it is true, but let's just say if it is, should that cause us to slow down and think about what we're saying. I heard uh, Robert Morris, a pastor in Texas, and he, he uh, referenced this acronym when you're having communication with people, especially when the communication is challenging. Wait, wait before you speak, right? Wait. And it's an acronym, and it stands for this. Why am I talking? <laughs> before we start talking, wait and ask yourself, why am I talking? What is motivating our responses especially to people we disagree with? What is motivating our responses to people we, we love? What's motivating our responses? Why am I talking? Why am what I'm about to say, why does it need to be shared? Look at Proverbs 12, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Listen, talking gets us in trouble. Has anybody ever gotten in trouble by the things that you've said? Like I said, having to go back and say, I've had to say this. Well, that, I said it, but that wasn't my heart. Huh. Well, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the Bible also says that your heart can think. Mary says this, I will ponder these things in my heart. How do you ponder with your heart? Your heart thinks and your mind thinks. Anybody ever have this statement? Well, I just said that off the top of my head. Well, maybe you shouldn't say things off the top of your head. Maybe you should wait for those things to get down into your heart. And then when they come out of your mouth, they'll be sound different because they had time you waited and asked yourself hard questions, and they had time to get down in the heart, and they kind of get recalibrated when they get to your heart. Because when your communication is at the heart level, you start to ask yourself the deeper questions. Am I communicating in a way that moves this relationship forward and closer to heaven, closer to Jesus, deeper connected? Am I communicating in a way that moves this relationship to a positive place or a negative place? And then all of a sudden, this will help your marriage. If you're married or if you're dating or if you want to be married or if you want to be dating, man, you should be taking notes feverishly right now because this will help you. It is not about winning. It is not about being right. Can I tell you this? Good communication isn't even about communicating your point. Great communication is about hearing the other person. In fact, you can practice things like giving feedback. So what I'm hearing you say is dot, dot, dot. Listen, if they notice it, your wives will probably get ticked. They're like, oh, you're doing that thing, you know, but, or your husband's like, oh, you're doing that psychological thing. But listen, if you do it in a cognito, incognito kind of way, people really appreciate that. I really want to know what you mean. What are, what are you thinking? And a lot of, how many know that kind of a conversation, it's pretty tough to do on social media. 
Wouldn't it be just like the plan of the enemy for your life and of mine to isolate everybody, cause them to be totally terrified of one another, and give them the only platform for communication is not face-to-face? Oh, wouldn't that be just like the plan of the enemy to bring strife and division and disunity and confusion? I'm going to give them the best platform for communication, except they won't be able to see each other's face. And it'll be almost anonymous, and you can say whatever you want without impunity. Man, James 3.5 says this, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Your tongue is a fire. Was I, well, I'm not really speaking when I post. Okay, back it up. It's you communicating. Unless somebody grabs your phone and posts for you, it's your communication. So how many know it's important? What you post is what you're speaking, just because it's typed out. And isn't it interesting that because there's no immediate accountability in our social media world, we're not immediately accountable to what we're saying because we're not in a group setting face-to-face. So we can post something and then walk away. And without humility, it's very hard to walk back some of our comments. I said, Psalms 39.1, I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. that sound like a bridle? I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. And this is a very important verse. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. That's incredibly important to your role as a believer. If you name the name of Jesus, your primary role in life as a Christ follower is to communicate the life, love, and salvation of Jesus Christ to the world around you. There there is no other higher role. It's not to work a job. It's not to have a career. It's not to be a parent. It's not to be a spouse. Your highest role is, is as a son or daughter of God communicating the life of Jesus that you have found on the inside of you. And so the psalmist says, I will guard my ways, and I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth. A muzzle is even worse than a bridle. I don't know if you've seen a dog that's muzzled, but when they try and bark, it's sad. It's like this dog that used to bark like this, roof, 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 had an awesome, amazing, deep, you know, intimidating bark now sounds because they can't open their, their, you know, a muzzle. Okay, you guys see what I'm saying? I mean, some of you have masks on, so it's hard to see if we're really communicating here or if you're really listening. I'd love to see some facial expressions. But you know what I'm saying? Like your muzzle, a dog muzzled is less of a dog. Are we willing to be less in order to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will we allow ourselves and humble ourselves to have less of an opinion if our opinion will cost us our ability to communicate effectively the gospel? We got to choose our mountain. We got to choose what is our main thing. I'm, I'm just joking. I'm not telling you to take your masks off, all right? You can keep your mask on. Some, it just, all right, it's just me. Guard your mouth because people are listening. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. Can I tell you this? On social media, and I know I'm picking on social media. This isn't for everybody in the room. But on social media, I got to tell you this. The wicked are in your presence. Whoa. The psalmist says... I'll guard my mouth when the wicked are in my presence. What is it? I'm going to be careful about the things that I say so that my main message doesn't get lost in translation. I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth. When words are many, listen to this one, 
When words are many, this is Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Listen, it's my responsibility to bridle my tongue and restrain my lips. And I'll tell you, sin follows an unfiltered tongue. When your tongue is unfiltered, when you say whatever you want, whenever you want to say it, I'll tell you what, iniquity is with you in those moments. Sin follows that. Because if we don't have restraint over our tongue, we don't have a restraint over a lot of things in our life. You meet somebody who says whatever they want, whatever comes across their mind, at any expense, at any cost, I can tell you, you're going to often find other sins associated with that person's life if they have no restraint. Well, I'm just speaking the truth at the expense of a relationship. Is, I, I don't know if that's really that important. If the truth costs you the relationship, listen, maybe you just spoke it in a way that is wrong. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't change the truth but maybe you could communicate in a way that you could win a friend with the truth. Powerful stuff. Look at Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool, another version says, a calm spirit is a man of understanding. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. If you see people just saying whatever they want, whenever they want to, man, it's, it's a lack of wisdom. It's a lack of wisdom to say whatever you want, whenever you want. But he who has a cool or a calm spirit is a man of understanding. Have you felt, I feel like this, I think we are wired to be stirred up. I don't know about you, I feel like we're wired to be stirred up. We're wired to get amped about stuff. I call it, you know, amped. Like just, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I mean, I, when I, when I uh, participated in football by making sure the water table was full, um, I we would listen to really hardcore music in the locker room. I like to say I played football, but, you know, when you only play seven minutes in your entire high school career, you can't really call it playing. You watched with a uniform and a helmet on. Um, so, and you went to every practice for that as well. Um, again, musicals. Um, you got to pick your lane. I should have known. should have known then. It wasn't for me. When you get amped, it, before a game, you know, they, we had this, like, dungeon gym, and they just play this, like, horrible, I'd say the lyrics, but they were basically, like, we're going to, you know, hurt some people lyrics, you know? And everybody, I'm all the, all the guys, there's, like, 16, 17 years, this is not healthy way to raise your teenagers, but 16, 17 years, like, they're, <sighs> like, grinting with their teeth, <sighs> like, there was some crazy stuff happening, and everybody's getting amped and agitated, and the coach come in, are you going to rip their faces off? You know, like, I mean, it was, like, a big deal, and everybody would run out, like, ah! You know, every, I think we are wired to get excited about stuff, to get amped, to get agitated, to get stirred up, aggressive. We see this when, you know, with social issues and anger, the, the injustices and the wrong. I think we're wired for this. I think the people of God are supposed to lead the way in getting amped. Even Timothy is called stir up the gift that's within you. Get amped about what God wants to do in your life. I, I'm afraid that if we come into the church and we check our emotions out the door, we miss something of what it means to follow God. I think we're coming to the church and I think we're to get the most amped in the house of God, the most excited in the house of God, the most expressive in the house of God, the most emblazoned, emboldened, impassioned, like ready to fight in the house of God. I think we're supposed to get amped in God's house about God's stuff. 
And if we're not careful, if we're ingesting, 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 we will get amped about the wrong things because we're designed to get amped. We're designed, it's a creative capacity that God has put in us to get riled up about stuff. Anybody riled up right now? I feel riled up. Even a fool, Proverbs 17, 28, 28 even a fool is keep si- who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Man, even if you're, even if you're dumb, if you just don't talk, people are like, that guy's really smart. That pro- that's what the proverb's saying. Like, let's just say, you know, I didn't get all, I didn't get all the good marbles in the, in, you know, I'm not gifted. I'm, well, just be quiet. That's what, I mean, that's what the proverb, just be quiet. Because even if you're dumb, if you don't talk, everybody think you're smart. It's wonderful. I, I got, you know, maybe I'm not, at, maybe I'm, maybe I should post more on social media. But I just kind of like to like, I'm actually really smart. And people who totally disagree with me text me and call me for advice. And I'm like, dude, if you only knew what I think about what you believe, oh, my goodness. But I'm just, gonna, I'm just not going to say anything. And I retain the relationship. And I got people that talk to me about stuff who believe nothing like me. Believe nothing like me. Why? Because I keep my mouth shut. Because I would rather have an opportunity to invest in their life than lose the opportunity over a mountain that I shouldn't be trying to die on. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut and they won't know how dumb you are. That's literally in my notes, just so you know. And I say it to myself regularly. If one, <laughs> Proverbs 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. How, how, many, of you ever, how many of you are guilty of trying to finish people's sentences? Oh, and then we went to, oh, and then he went to Tahoe. Yeah, and then uh, then we had a great steak. Oh, at the steakhouse, I wanna, you know, the Delmonico's, yeah. And then we, you know, and you try and finish there. I mean, you can do this just in regular conversation, not even about arguing something. Listen, be quiet. Listen. You'll see this a lot in marriages, and I'm guilty of it. But you know, a couple is telling a story. And you know, and we were at Tahoe and we went, we went fishing and it was amazing. Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. No, 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 you go ahead and finish. Anybody ever have that happen? Anybody ever get, no, no, you go ahead and finish. And you kind of, and you kind of, you go ahead and finish the story is like, I'm not going to fight you, dude. And Lindsay never has to do that with me, just so you know. Never has to say, I'm sorry. I repent, turning to Jesus right here. Second point, this is rough. Second point, think, think. So stop and think. That's the second point. Look at the ships, James 3, 4 through 5. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to think about what you're saying. You have to. It is not an option. It is not a sometimes. It is an all-the-time mandate from the Lord. You need to think about what is coming out of your mouth because it is guiding your whole life, and it's impacting the lives of the people around you. Think. And the third one is three words, pray, pray, pray. That's my third point. Pray, pray, and if you forgot about the first two points, pray. No human being, James 3, 8 through 12, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, with it we bless the Lord and God our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his likeness. Oh, I love you, Lord. 
you're amazing. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. And then we walk out the door. Could you believe? Like, I can't believe what they said. What an idiot. They're so dumb. Did you hear? He, he did musicals in high school. He's so weird. Don't you dare curse me out those doors. You can stay out those doors, all right, if, that's, if you've got a problem with musicals because they're awesome. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening from both fresh and salt water? Here's the thing. You've got to choose what kind of spring you're going to be because you can't be a freshwater spring and a saltwater spring. It doesn't work that way. And salt water is just going to make you sick and crazy. Is your, spirit, is your spring making people sick and crazy? Has anybody drank too much salt water? Well, hopefully not because you're not supposed to because it's salt water. But they have stories about sailors who are stranded out at sea who start to drink salt water, and they start to see some weird stuff. They start to do some weird stuff because it makes you crazy. makes you crazy. You've got to decide what kind of spring you're going to be. A spring cannot pour forth salt and fresh. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's what he's wrapping up when he's talking about your tongue. Your tongue decides what kind of fruit your life is going to have. Your tongue decides what kind of fruit your life's going to have. And you got to pick, am I going to produce some olives? Am I going to produce some grapes or some figs? Because I can't produce all three. And so here's the thing. What's the, what's the application for us? you got to decide, is Christ, is the gospel, is communicating the truth of who he is and the purpose that he has for life? I love what Paul said. I have determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. We are moving into a culture. If you are a Christ follower, you need to know our culture has shifted. It has shifted. It has shifted. It has shifted. We have had changes in the last six months, last six years, last 20 years. We are different than we were yesteryear. It is a changed place. And if we're going to be effective as believers, it's going to be because we choose a lane. And I am telling you, choose the lane of the gospel. Just like I should have chosen differently in high school. Choose the lane of the gospel of the kingdom. And you can't go wrong, but you got to make that your mountain. you got to make that what you are willing to do. You are called to be a fruit bearer. When I know my primary aim, it puts everything into perspective. I know what to do and what to say, and I have spent time with God. Last verse, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, your tongue can either be a sword thrust, and that's like just jab. Or Proverbs says, says your tongue can be healing. Your words can bring healing. Our, here's what our world does not need right now. It does not need any more swords. In fact, when Jesus told Peter, don't pick up your sword when he cuts the guy's ears off, he's saying a statement for what it means to be a Christ follower. We don't fight with swords, and our tongues can be a sword. The world does not need more th- sword thrust. They don't need more Christians picking up the sword of their words and thrusting it into people and saying, well, it's true. I don't care if it hurts. Uh, but you got... You, you got me in my gut, like my spleen is bleeding, but it's the truth. You should be thanking me. <laughs> what? Or our words can be healing, can transform a culture, can transform a nation, can bring a res- reconciliation to a friendship or a family member. Pick 
your lane, people of God. Let your words be life and healing to a world that desperately needs them to be. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm not going to read it. I just want to share the story. He has a prophetic moment where he's brought up into heaven and he's into the presence of God. And we're going to sing in just a second here. And uh, worship uh, team, our Chris, Chris, you can start tickling the strings there, playing something beautiful. It always sounds good. You know, it isn't just reassuring when somebody begins to play behind you. It's like, we're coming in for a landing. You know, we went 20 minutes late, but we're coming in for a landing. That's what it makes me feel good. It just makes me, I can breathe now. Like it's, it is finished. Oh, okay. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet, man of God. He has this vision. Uh, he's in heaven. He's, he sees the elders in the throne room singing, holy, holy, holy. He's in the unfiltered, unhindered presence of almighty God. And he's taking it all in. He's looking around him. He's, whoa, this is incredible. And his first statement this is crazy to me. Like, Isaiah totally gets it. But his first statement when he's looking around at the beauty and the purity of heaven is, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in a people of unclean lips. That's his first statement. My first statement would be like, I'm just, I, you know, God, I, I've missed the mark. I would have come to something more spiritual. Like, I haven't measured up. But he directly connects his sinfulness to his lips. He directly connects his wickedness to his mouth. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And not only that, I dwell with a people of unclean lips. Lord, woe is me. I shouldn't. He's basically saying this. God, you, you let the wrong guy in. I shouldn't be here. I haven't earned this. I don't deserve this. I can't experience your presence like this. Surely there's somebody else. And he makes the association, it's my lips. That's the main issue. Is there something there for you and I that this thing in between our lips and what comes out of our lips matters a whole lot to God? But here's, God doesn't leave him like that. Take a, they take a coal from the altar of God and they cleanse his lips. Say, you're in the right spot. What if every morning we got alone in the presence of God and said, Lord, make my lips clean because I'm shaping the world. I'm shaping my world and I'm shaping the whole world. And this little sucker, it's a fire and it wants to start forest fires, but it could also bring healing and I want it to bring healing. So I'm going to get alone in the presence of God and I'm going to let him touch my lips and purify them for his purposes. You can stand up and say amen because I was, I'm excited about it. I don't know about you. Hey, would you open your hands with me? Just open your hands and your heart before the Lord. If you're watching online, you can do it as well. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that we're called to be the kind of people that heal wounds with what we say. We're called to be the kind of people that restore lives with what we say, Lord, that we bring others to Jesus, that we share the gospel in a way that's compelling and not repelling. Lord, that we share the gospel in a way that brings healing and not division. And so, Lord, as we open up our hands right now, I just want you all over the room here this morning and where you're at in your own home, wherever you find yourself, just begin to call, God, cleanse my lips. Lord, make my lips pure before you, God. I want them to heal people. I don't want to hurt people with what I say. I want to hurt people with what I post. I don't want to bring division and bring a mockery to your name with the things that come out of my mouth or through my fingertips on the keyboard. Lord God, I want you to use me to bring healing and to bring your presence 
to the world around me. Go ahead, right now, just begin to cry out to God. We're going to end with a worship song as well. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Do that work in our lives. I saw the Lord.